With winter coming, and all the health issues it brings, now's the time to make sure your immune system is as strong as it can be and to build your natural immunity. It's time to empower your immune system. Empower supercharges your immunity because it's made from AHCC, one of the most powerful mushroom extracts to ever come out of Japan. It's been shown to enhance your immune protection by over 300%, and it has the robust research to prove it. Empower is my first go-to when it comes to immune support. I personally take it daily and prescribe it to my patients in need of immune support. And who doesn't these days? If you're looking for a way to supercharge your immune system protection and build your natural immunity, Empower is the solution for you. For more information and order, go to theharmonycompany.com. That's theharmonycompany.com. Or call 800-422-5518, 800-422-5518. Use coupon code HOFFMAN20 at checkout and get a 20% first-time discount and free shipping. That's theharmonycompany.com for Empower. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. The book we're discussing, Saving the Art of Medicine, a very important book by uh, today's guest, Dr. Alan Sussman. Uh, Dr. Sussman's a board-certified endocrinologist and a clinical assistant professor at the University of Washington uh, with a wealth of experience. Uh, he's involved in hundreds of evidence-based studies and also the development of groundbreaking technology for the treatment of diabetes. Uh, so uh, he's been around the block, so to speak, uh, on the medical scene. Uh, Dr. Sussman, uh, you and I trained during uh, the the era of heroic medicine, which meant, and you, you actually write about this in your book, that we would spend as much as 120 hours a week uh, working with patients uh, vastly overburdened. Your experiences kind of mirror mine because you were on overload during your, uh, during your residency, uh, doing double right. duty when one of your uh, uh, co-physicians, uh, I guess a medical intern or medical resident, uh, wasn't able to complete their job. So you took on his or her patients and you got slammed. And uh, nowadays, uh, there seem to be some improvements. They, they limit hours of doctors to some extent. I mean, most doctors work in crazy hours, but there are some rules. Uh, but it seems that dissatisfaction among physicians is soaring. And this term burnout uh, is everywhere in medicine. You know, it's just it, many doctors when surveyed say uh, that they, they wouldn't do it again or they wouldn't advise their kids to do it again. Uh, and um, they retire early, and especially at COVID has really accelerated this. The, the number of physician retirements uh, uh, after COVID uh, really escalated dramatically. So what do you think is going on here? What, what's happening to the field of medicine? Well, again, my, my bias is, is that institutionalization and mega, mega medicine that's developed now has taken some of the joy out of medicine, um, has dehumanized it, uh, and and has and bean counters have become very important that make it difficult for doctors to really develop the relationship that they could with with patients. They're feeling harried. They're feeling put upon. I I remember in the days when electronic medical rec records first came out, it it just it seemed foreign to me. It didn't seem as though it should be part of what I needed to be doing, even though I guess. The one important thing is my handwriting is not good, and maybe having things written uh, uh, computerized was was an improvement. I, I'll give them that. 
you you must have been a really fantastic doctor because they say that uh, the quality of your handwriting uh, is inversely proportional to your skill as a physician. And my handwriting is actually fairly legible, so I wonder about my my acumen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I guess maybe that would have put me in the 1% uh, category of uh, high if if that was true. Um, But... But, but, but the important, the important part of, I think, enjoyment with medicine is the relationships that you can have with patients. Uh, and it's a two way street. It's what I learned from them and they learned from me. And just the question of even the therapeutic results were, can be very dependent upon, uh, upon that relationship. And maybe in a little bit, we could even get into placebo effect and how, how important that is. I was is. just thinking that. That's a great takeoff point for this because uh, there's some very interesting studies on placebos. And, you know, I'm sure you're well aware of them is that, look, placebo means uh, I please. I please you, uh, basically. Uh, to the opposite of a nocebo, which means having a negative effect. Uh, but you, you recall during your medical training, sometimes, you know, uh, as a young and experienced physician, you know, you'd give a patient a medication and then your, your gruff, uh, senior physician, your attending doctor would say, don't just give him a placebo. It was, it was like, yes. it was, it was some kind of, uh, disparaging thing. You gave like an insignificant dose, give him some real medication, up that dose and give him a real shot of, whatever it was that we were supposed to give our uh, patients in the hospital. So placebo had kind of a negative connotation, like it doesn't, it's like a waste of time, it's worthless. But what are we learning from placebo research? Yes, well, well, I, I feel very strongly about the placebo effect and its positive effects. And I can say several, several things. First of all, I agree with you. We got to get word of the. We got to get rid of the word placebo, because it has too negative a connotation. Um, part of the placebo effect is to realize how how it can help someone, and their positivity about that is part of the placebo effect. So my own thought is get rid of the word placebo, and I concocted an acronym, TIP, T I P which stands for Therapeutic Interventional Potential. And then when you're when the doctor is with the patient, rather than say, I'm going to give you a placebo, at some point he might be giving him something that supposedly is inert physiologically, but you can say, I'm going to give you a tip. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, because uh, it's actually thought to be unethical to give patients uh, a sugar pill, you know, like uh, if you think, Oh, this patient is an easy mark for, you know, some, like a, it's like whatever they're experiencing is psychosomatic. So I'm going to work on their psyche by convincing them that I'm giving them something good. But that's kind of a, like a betrayal of trust to give them a sugar pill instead of a real medication. But what's interesting is in some placebo trials that I've seen lately, uh, they've noted that not only does the patient feel better subjectively, because that's easy. That's why they do what are called double-blind placebo-controlled trials, because if you give, say, somebody... I don't know, uh, a Viagra versus a control, a placebo medication. Well, some of the men are going to think, hey, this is going to make me sexier, and they're going to have an erection and successful intercourse. But 
actually what you see with some of these placebo medications is their physiological changes, their changes in blood pressure, their changes in blood chemistry that can't just simply be the result of a thought that I feel better, right? Yes. Yeah, but well, well, there's a there's a fascinating study that's an old study that was not specifically looking at the power of placebo effect, but does show it. There was a study that was done with a lipid lowering medication. Uh, it was done over several years, and when they looked at the results of it, there was there was there was wow. some benefit from the medication. And the uh, but they saw that there wasn't that much of a change from uh, uh, from the placebo effect from the placebo and what they expected to see. And then they got very smart and they said, aha, you know what the problem was? How how often were they taking their medication, which was very easy to determine uh-huh. in a uh, clinical trial. So they looked at that. And sure enough, the more they took the medication, the better the result was. But it turned out that it happened on both ends. It happened on the end where they were given the active medication and when they were given the placebo. They took the placebo more often. Their results were better, too. And, and what that suggests is there's what is called a compliance effect. In other words, people who dutifully comply, they may be healthier. So that's what we're seeing in some of the studies is that, uh, say, you know, I recently critiqued a a study about uh, vegans. And what they found is that people who adhere to a vegan diet uh, were healthier than people on an omnivorous diet. But it was more about the compliance, you know, that they stuck to a very strict regimen. And maybe that radiates out in various other aspects of life and, you know, has physiologic effects. Yes, well, 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 we're getting, and and it can go into what's also called the power of the mind, uh, because there's even a lot of work that shows that in the psychiatry, for instance, uh, they looked at different types of psychiatric uh, modalities and practices, and in order to see which one would work best in given situations, and at the conclusion of the study, they felt what distinguished the results was not the different uh, theory or the different practice that was done, but the practitioner. The more the practitioner believed in what they were and what they were doing, the better the results were. So that's why they have what are called double-blind placebo-controlled trials, because if it's a single blind, it means the patient doesn't know what they're getting. But if the doctor knows like, okay, this is just the sugar pill and this is the active medication, that may actually bias the results. It may impart some subliminal message to the patient that they're getting the real deal or they're not getting the real deal, right? Correct. Correct. That definitely becomes involved. Uh, the only thing is we try to get rid of all those things because we're, because we're trying to show a specific effect. But at the end of the day, when you're treating someone, you shouldn't get rid of that. Well, uh, I presume that uh, during your successful medical career, uh, you have given good placebo. And I'm not thinking that you have a little bottle of sugar pills in your desk, but part of it is the uh, doctor-patient interaction. In other words... Uh, giving a patient a therapy uh, with confidence and offering them hope and encouragement 
uh, and a lot of support and empathy. I think that those are elements that are very important. Uh, whatever you're dishing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, chemotherapy or whether it's uh, herbal medicine. Exactly. And, and it's been shown that medications work better in a positive situation than in a, than in a negative one. And the more that the uh, patient uh, feels the doctor is on their side, the better that they do. So, so that, that interaction is still very important and adds another whole important level over the physiologic therapeutic response that's going on. So how can we uh, reintroduce that element into modern medicine? I mean, it's so uh, technologically focused. Uh, you know, we admit to medical school, not necessarily uh, people uh, with a humanitarian uh, perspective, but, you know, little... Uh, little geniuses, little, you know, scientists, mathematicians, uh, yes. you know, people who are very, very adept uh, technologically. But how do we impart that human element to them? Yes. Well, uh, I think it's injected by, by its so-called getting injected, which means or actually going to our roots. Uh, it's like saying, what, what are the roots of medicine? The roots of medicine was relationship observation and relationship it wasn't science a thousand years ago uh, almost all the theories at that point are are probably not very helpful in terms of what's explaining exactly what's going on so i think in the modern era what's important because there is so much science so much information that people and that's including the physician and the patient need to look at their own sense of humanity from and from the physician point of view they have to develop compassion for not only the patient but for themselves if they are to survive and i think to do that they have to have this self-compassion of finding what they need for themselves and as we talked before when uh, when i was starting my internship and residency working 120 hours a week that was not a very compassionate situation um so just the amount of hours working uh, becomes negative of what's going on then what another important point is humility there's way 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 too much information out there for anyone position to understand and comprehend and, and utilize all that information now and and we have to be humble to realize that as this information keeps on developing there's positive and negative parts to that it gives us a better understanding of what's going on but it also tends to go in one direction and we need to keep on expanding what we're looking at in other directions that might be important. Such things as even culturally, what, what we're seeing with pay, given patients, that we, are, that we respect their cultural background as being important. Mm -hmm. uh, so see, to sort of see where they're, where they're coming from and to meet them where they're at uh, and not impose you know, our values necessarily on people who have a belief system 
that uh, may be different from ours. Uh, I think that's important. And, and actually, I, I learned that because I majored in anthropology in college. And you, you need to approach people uh, with uh, a little bit of a sense of humility uh, about the, their beliefs uh, and not be dismissive of them. Uh, what's interesting in, in your background is that you know, your conventional uh, background is, is superlative. Uh, but then uh, you served as director of alternative medical services at Valley Medical Center, and you participated in the Washington State Commission Task Force to systematize standards of practice within alternative medicine. So, uh, tell us about your. Uh, there was a there was a point in your career where you uh, tried to meld alternative practices with practice of endocrinology. Yes, uh, completely. Uh- because I also felt it was important to be a so-called holistic doctor. So the endocrine system was was beneficial for that in that the that's a fairly holistic system in general in terms of affecting the whole body. But then the question is, uh, in terms of knowledge and information from endocrinology sources, scientifically, were in my mind at times limited, or there were people that had other means that they wanted to treat, uh, treat themselves, such as uh, various different herbal uh, preparations. So I felt it was important to be aware of them and try to understand how how they work and how they, and how they're used. And quite frankly, it turns out how their system of use was. With the uh, with the state commission various different uh, alternative medicine branches of were looked at and th- and their system was then compared to allopathic or quite frankly looked how they could be allopathic in some ways so that they can have like to like to decide uh, to this so that people can decide on an equal basis from one to the other which doesn't work that well but there were some areas where you would say was somewhat alternative and maybe in some ways it isn't considered alternative anymore like midwifery Mm -hmm. Um, and I found the midwives was an extraordinary organization in terms of of their system of of how they monitor patients their understanding of what's going on and also their limitations what I'm saying is, this is what we can do. This is mm-hmm. when we need to and, but, but being aware of, you know, when to hold and when to fold it with a difficult uh, delivery, you know, and you think that they're well-trained uh, so that they can safely deliver uh, children. But, if, you know, they they're, they can acknowledge when, when trouble is brewing and rarely right. get into getting right. and, 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 and And what that also gets into on the opposite side is is for physicians, OBGYN and other uh, other uh, allopathic physicians can understand the benefit of midwifery, of home deliveries, and that there is and there is some true benefit with that too. Uh, and there is there is trade offs there, but they have to, but everyone has to look at the another system as also being important. Or you look at acupuncture, and and there and you start trying to understand how they make their decision making. And you're suddenly talking about hot and cold livers and wondering where where does that fit in? Right, the traditional Chinese medicine diagnosis, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, um, uh, and, and just in general, when you look at 
alternative means such as uh, body work, uh, uh, the, uh, different types of treatment, and I guess you could even include massage, which is somewhat a difficult area to look at because that's such a diverse area of usage and a lot of it is on a very uh, non-focused medical basis. Uh, but a lot of body work in terms of how to help people with different types of musculoskeletal problems, they, they can have extremely beneficial effects from just what I saw with patients. But you're not going to find a good study that's going mm -hmm. to say, this is, this is a good way this is this is a good way of going in a whole population. Among other things, it becomes very dependent on the practitioner. They almost have an and we and I think you mentioned the word before intuition. It's at a different level of uh, that could be considered not as rational but more intuitive. You could almost say gut like something where the body the practitioner appreciates what's going on and is able to help. And that that shouldn't be dismissed. Yeah, and, and I think that, uh, and you cite the example of uh, berberine, for example, in your book. As a, you, since one of your specialties, of course, is diabetes, as an endocrinologist, uh, berberine is something that has been studied to some extent for its ability to help to control blood sugar. But as you mentioned uh, in the book, the financial incentives are not aligned to make it a popular. Uh, uh, medication for diabetes and not enough studies have been done to validate it but it does show promise and it's traditional uses there but uh, it doesn't stack up next to a blockbuster drug but yeah and the interesting thing is since i wrote the book berberine now is starting to uh, explode in terms of a of its usage because it appears uh, because it has some glp1 agonist mm. action which is which is the uh, weight loss the new weight loss drugs that are out. Interesting. Uh, like uh, had that ber berberine has some effects there. Um, so so now it's it could turn out to be a very uh, accepted or medication or medication uh, that patients are going to want to try. Interesting. Yeah, it, uh, it, known for its effects. Uh, on the GI tract, it may affect the microbiome, but it has a multiplicity of effects and, uh, you know, certainly should be part of our all of the above armamentarium when we're dealing with diabetes. So great stuff. The book uh, is entitled uh, The Saving the Art of Medicine, and it's available from the usual sources. Our guest, uh, Dr. Alan Sussman, uh, anything in conclusion that you want to share with our audience? And but do you have a website, or do you have? Is there a place where people can learn more yes. about uh, your work? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would encourage people to go to the website to get a general idea of what the book is about. Uh, there are some other resources that are saving there. the art of uh, medicine dot com. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And there you'll find, uh, you know, a, a nice summary of the book, uh, as well as resources. So uh, great stuff. Uh, you know, I think uh, it's it's a wonderful book. It's got lots of uh, examples from uh, your interactions with patients and some of the revelations that they have provided for you. So great stuff. Thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Alan Sussman. All right. Thank you, Ryan. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 
I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover Intelligent Medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations. You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Never counterfeit or expired, always stored and shipped correctly. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to start your free Fullscript account. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA-compliant and offers world-class support. Fullscript also gives you access to my custom targeted supplement protocols that combine the products that I recommend to address specific needs, heart health, immune support, and much more. Just go to DearHoffmanStore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll get access to the supplements and features you need to help you achieve your wellness goals. That's DearHoffmanStore.com. DearHoffmanStore.com.